Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. I want to start out with Rand Paul and his fellow mask holes. I got my vaccine, by the way, yesterday. I'm speaking to you with a sore arm. These guys could be bringing us a whole brand new pandemic. I don't think it's gotten anywhere near enough attention. I wrote about it on HartmanReport.com over the weekend. A lot of people were like, what? Really? In that op-ed, there's the links to all the science and you know what everybody said, but oh, here's what happened, basically. Rand Paul is a, an entitled preening ass of the first order, and he refuses to wear a mask because he says, you know, I've already had COVID, and so I'm immune. I'm not going to get it again. Therefore, why should I bother wearing a mask? And then he says to Fauci, he says, and I'm quoting here, he says, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks just for show. You can't get it again. There's virtually a 0% chance you're going to get it. And you're telling people who've had the vaccine, who have immunity, you're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear masks who've been vaccinated. Now, there is a certain logic to this. And I'm seeing increasingly people in their 60s, 70s, 80s, walking around Portland or around my neighborhood anyway, without masks. And I'm assuming that these people have been vaccinated. About a third of all Americans over 65 have been vaccinated now, at least one shot. And I'm assuming that these are people who've been vaccinated and therefore they think they don't need to wear a mask anymore. So this is how Anthony Fauci replied to that what seems like a logical position. Hey, I've got the vaccine. I'm immune. I've had, or in the case of Rand Paul, I've had COVID. I'm immune. Again, first of all, keeping in mind that in the last 20 years, we have seen three of these coronaviruses now. SARS, which kills one-fifth of the people who get it. The original SARS that came out around uh, the turn of of the century. MERS, the Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, which you get from camels and is still popping around in the Middle East, that kills about a third of the people who get it. And this new one is called SARS-CoV-2, also known as COVID-19. And the problem is that there's a new mutation of the COVID-19 that eventually may get its own designation as a separate coronavirus. And it may only be the beginning of the mutation process. This is what Fauci told Rand Paul on live television last Thursday. He said, quote, 
In the South African study conducted by Johnson and Johnson, they found that people who were infected with the wild type of COVID, like you know you, Senator uh, Rand Paul, got, and were exposed to this variant in South Africa, the 351 variant. It was as if they had never been infected before. They had no protection. So as I said earlier, there's a good news, bad news. The bad news is what Fauci just said there, which is that Rand Paul, even though he thinks he's, he's immune and he doesn't have to wear a mask because he's already had COVID, he could get the South African variant as if he never had it before. And the South African one is actually deadlier than the regular one. So if you've had COVID and you think you're immune and you don't need a vaccine, think twice. All right, that's the bad news. The good news is, and by the way, the South African variant is showing up in the United States. It has already popped up in a half a dozen states. And it's ripping through Europe, which is part of the reason why France is shutting down right now. You saw these protests in Germany, a lot of it being fed by foreign trolls posing as Germans going, you know, freedom, freedom. I think they need to start spelling that word F-R-E-E-D-U-M-B. But in any case, that's going on. But just let that sink in. Fauci said the South African variant, if you've already had COVID, no protection as if you've never been infected before. Now, the good news is that if you've had the vaccine and you get the South African variant, it's depending on the vaccine, they've looked at three of them now, it's between 60 and 70% effective at preventing you from even getting infected with the South African variant and 100% effective at preventing you from getting so sick you end up in the hospital or so sick that you end up dead. So bottom line, getting vaccinated is the key to the whole thing. And we're in a race in time here in the United States against this South African variant, which is right now infecting about as many people as the original wild variant had in February or March of last year. So if we can't get people vaccinated fast enough, we're going to see another wave of this stuff. Only it's going to be the South African variant, and it's going to reinfect people who've already had COVID. So we've got a big job to do. And people, you know, these mask holes like Rand Paul saying, oh, you know, no big deal. I masked. We don't need no stinking masks in Idaho, where the, where the Idaho legislature, in fact, had to shut down because they had a COVID outbreak after they were cheering on these children who were burning masks because they're crazed parents who've been reading QAnon conspiracy theories. It's nuts. This is the Tom Hartman Program. The BBC podcast on Saturday morning. Quote, the COVID crisis in Europe is getting worse and quickly. This is why. Ron DeSantis is now, he wants, you know, he, he's getting in on this act, right? Because no one was held accountable for a half million deaths. There's literally no consensus in America about who's responsible for the fact that Taiwan, that got its first case of COVID the same day we did back in, and then the first death from COVID as well, back in March of, of last year, that Taiwan has had 12, I think 12 people die now. South Korea, it's been a couple hundred. We had a half million. Nobody has been held responsible for this, which blows my mind. I mean, we really need to be talking about this. Who, who do we hold responsible for this? Well, Ron DeSantis, Mark Sumner over at Daily Kos writes the headline, Ron DeSantis wants an award and he deserves one for conducting the biggest cover-up of COVID-19 data. 
And that's what's going on. On Thursday of last week, Ron DeSantis published an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal basically saying, I ignored the science. I told people they didn't need masks. I kept the state open. And now our economic activity is doing better than a lot of other states. Nyeh, nyeh, nyeh. And what he neglected to say, and by the way, his policies are creating an absolute screaming crisis. You saw, you know, Miami Beach is under a two-week state of emergency right now. Curfew, an overnight curfew. You know, here's DeSantis taking a victory lap after he killed 32,000 Floridians that we know of. And this is where, I mean, you know, the truth is we may have no friggin' clue how many people actually died in Florida of COVID. When the epidemic started, the pandemic started in February and March, medical examiners in the state of Florida would record the cause of death and report it to the county. And then the county would post that on their website and send the information to the state. But it was all public, right? They didn't, they didn't name the people and the, and the medical examiners, but they, they, they listed the cause of death and the numbers. Well, that was starting to look bad for DeSantis because there were starting to be a lot of COVID deaths in Florida, so he changed it. He said, medical examiners, you may no longer tell the counties, you have to tell me, you have to tell the state. And don't worry, we'll publicize that information. But they didn't, they hid it. In fact, as of March 2020, uh, March a year ago, one year ago this month, county medical examiners were forbidden from revealing the numbers of deaths or even the cause of death, which led to in April. Now, keep in mind, there was no flu last year. I mean, like, you know, typically in America, there's like 30,000 flu deaths and, you know, a couple hundred thousand flu cases. There was, like a, there was like a few hundred or maybe a few thousand flu cases, no flu deaths. We basically had no flu in the United States last year. And the reason why, of course, is because everybody was wearing a mask. Not everybody, but enough. But suddenly in Florida, they had this, in April of last year, they had this huge spike in pneumonia deaths. This is what Ron DeSantis and the state were calling them. These were obviously COVID deaths, but they didn't want to flag them as COVID deaths. And so they said, well, you know, it's, it's pneumonia caused by the flu. But there was no flu. And then you had this data scientist, Dr. Rebecca Jones, who had been working for the state compiling this information. And when Ron DeSantis hid all this information, she put up her own website to show the information. She not only got fired, but the state police raided her home and took her computers, which as far as I can tell are still gone. The state medical examiners were up in arms. They called DeSantis' numbers a sham. The Miami Herald said that the data is riddled with holes now. If you were a snowbird, if you, live, you, know, if you own a, a condo or a house or an apartment in, in Florida and you spend the winter months there and the summer months in Michigan or Pennsylvania or wherever and die of COVID in Florida, they don't even list you as a death in the state. Because you're not, you know, your driver's license isn't a Florida driver's license because you live, you know, six months, seven months out of the year in Michigan and, and five months out of the year in Florida. I mean, this is how bad it is. And what we do know, which is very little, but what we do know is that the rate of deaths in Florida is 27% higher than Virginia, 36% higher than North Carolina, and 180% higher than Maine the per capita rate of deaths. Ron DeSantis wants to run for president. Of course, Rick Scott's going to beat him to that. 
but he's trying to be the new national hero. He's the guy. He, I, you know, I conquered COVID, right? Amazing. He's lying through his teeth. He's shutting down the state government. He's defying the transparency laws. And now the headlines are that Trump thinks that uh, Ron DeSantis is going to refuse to deport him, to render him to New York when the indictments come down. It's bizarre. You're listening to the Tom Hartman program. But in the meantime, because of the South African variant, number one, get vaccinated. And number two, even if you're vaccinated or you had a COVID before, continue to wear your mask. Down in Florida, the police just raided the home of a former Republican state legislator. His name is Senator Frank Artiz, A-R-T-I-L-E-S. He's a former Miami state senator. And the reason why is that area was represented by Senator Jose Javier Rodriguez, a Democrat. And he did a great job representing them in the election that happened, what, three, four months ago, five months ago. This guy, this Republican former state senator, Frank Artiz, or Artillas, had hired a friend of his who is a car parts dealer, who is not a Republican. He registered as a Republican the day that this happened. A young guy. He's like I said, he's an auto parts dealer. He was friends with a state senator on Facebook. And his last name was Rodriguez, Alex Rodriguez. And the, the incumbent Democrat was Jose Rodriguez. This Republican consultant hired this guy named Rodriguez, same last name as the Democrat, the incumbent Democrat who was up for re-election, hired this guy named Rodriguez to run as an independent against both the Democrat and the Republican. And the Republican ended up winning the election by 32 votes out of 215,000 cast. And I guarantee you there were more than 32 people who were confused and thought they were voting for their incumbent Senator Rodriguez and instead were voting for an auto parts dealer who became a Republican the day that he filed to run for this race. And the guy who set this thing up, Artiz, was at the election night party, quote, Artiz publicly bragged about planting Alex Rodriguez, a longtime acquaintance and Facebook friend, to run in the race. This is me. This was all me, Artiz told the crowd at Fitzpatrick's restaurant in Lake, Larry, in Lake Mary, where Senator Jason Broder was holding his election night party, according to a person there. So he had two Rodriguez's on the ticket. One was a Democrat, one was an independent who was put up by the Republicans. The Republicans just squeal and scream about election fraud. But it gets worse. In Ohio, there was a, a Republican. His name is Neil S. Clark. He's a lobbyist, a Republican lobbyist. He paid a $61 million bribe, apparently, this is what's alleged, to the former Ohio Speaker of the House, Larry Householder. And in exchange for that $61 million bribe, which came from the Ohio utility companies, the Republican House Speaker passed and defended a $1.3 billion bailout for these utility companies. The utility companies wanted over a billion dollars. They gave 61 million bucks to this Republican lobbyist consultant guy, and he passed this money along to the various Republican politicians, and they all got busted. And the lobbyist, Neil Clark, just committed suicide. The headline, Republican fixer found dead in Ohio after being ensnared in sweeping bribery investigation. 
But, you know, hey, Republicans for sale? Surprise, surprise. And then finally, they call him Russian Ron Johnson now, the senator from Wisconsin, the stupid senator from Wisconsin. And here are some of the notes. Clint Watts is the guy who lays all this out, although Natasha Bertrand and the Daily Beast as well. So there's a couple of different sources for the data I'm sharing with you here. The first, Russia this time just tried to go straight to the Americans. They thought they'd promote disinformation in America. Why? Because there are no laws in place to stop politicians from taking foreign assistance. Point number one. Point number two, Adri Dierkatch. This is from DNI, the Director of National Intelligence's assessment on foreign election interference that just was published. We assess that Putin had purview over the activities of Andrei Derkach. Now, this is the guy, Derkach, who is the son of a former KGB officer and a member of the Ukrainian parliament, who had been sharing anti-Joe Biden and Hunter Biden information with Republicans, including Ron Johnson, in fact, here, this is from the Daily Beast. Andrew Dershkirch, son of a former KGB officer, has been supplying documents to Republicans on Capitol Hill, where Senator Ron Johnson is conducting an election eve investigation into the Biden's conduct in Ukraine. He also was the principal source for Rudy Giuliani. And you'll note that the uh, report says, you know, people close to the president were being fed Russian disinformation. Dershkirch was also part of, quote, Team Giuliani. Another key player is Konstantin Kalimnik, who was involved in the 2016 election interference. This is the guy, the Russian oligarch, that Paul Manafort was passing polling to, specifically polling in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Pennsylvania, and Michigan. And then the Russians were pumping via Facebook specific information into those states. And Ron Johnson is also associated with Kalemnik. Manafort, this is from the report, Manafort instructed Gates to provide Kalemnik with updates on the Trump campaign, including internal polling data. This is from the Mueller report. Manafort expected Kalemnik to share that information with others in the Ukraine and with Deripaska. Trump's campaign chairman had his deputy share, quote, internal polling data prepared for the Trump campaign via WhatsApp, and those communications were deleted on a daily basis. Manafort briefed Kalimnik on battleground states, which Manafort identified as Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, and Minnesota. And who benefited from this Russian-targeted misinformation campaign in Wisconsin in 2016? Yeah, Ron Johnson. That's why he's a senator who was surprisingly re-elected after being left for dead for much of that year. Might that explain some of his behavior? Well, Adam Schiff and his buddies on the committee want to find out what's going on. Carol in Pontiac, Michigan. Hey, Carol, what's on your mind today? Trump was the only president that ever has never taken his wages twice prior. Herbert Hoover. JFK didn't, right? And JFK did. Then he donated his, like, to the Treasury, the housing, or whatever, but they cut 10% of a billion-dollar program off those programs. So his $100,000 is a penny in that pocket. Right. Plus, he took a tax break. <laughs> he, he took a tax deduction for that donation, if, assuming that he made the donation. I still haven't seen the receipts, but, you know, well, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It doesn't get accepted. It goes to the general funds, but we haven't seen the canceled checks. That's correct. Yeah. Carol, thank you very much for the call. It's great to hear from you. I appreciate it. Rob in Seattle. Hey, Rob, what's up? 
I have five sisters and I have two brothers. She lives in a community, goes to a very conservative church and listens to her husband most of the time. This is one of your sisters. And listen to, yes, this is one of my sisters. My younger sister who lives in Portland, of all people, voted for Trump, and that's a whole other story. But this one mm. sister was always the sweet one, the kind one, still is, very bright, very intelligent. And it's so hard because the hardest part to me is she denied our own mothers being an immigrant. And she was born in Panama herself. And it was so hard dealing with her and trying to mm-hmm. talk her out of this cult she's under that our mother was an immigrant. How can you follow someone who was so hateful towards immigrants? I just don't right. understand it, sis. It was tough. Still is. I mean, I haven't yeah. talked to her in about four years. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear that, Rob. Politics should not tear families apart. I have a couple of cousins who are, well, I have one cousin in particular who's very right wing and he's, he posts on Facebook, but I just don't engage with him about those things. Actually, he's the son of one of my cousins. I don't see any point in picking political fights with family members, but, um, but when it becomes like a culture thing, it becomes systemic when, like your mother, I mean, that's got to be really rough, Rob. Rob, I don't have any glib response to you other than just to say I, I feel for you. You know, we think about her all the time. My other sisters are in contact with her more often. So she's got some family help trying to bring her back, so to speak. But it's really tough, but she has so many health issues on top Mm. of everything else. So that's a tough one you know back in the 80s these cult deprogrammers you know when people are actually during the the 60s and 70s i guess it was when uh, young people were joining the moonies and they were joining the Hare krishnas and Mm -hmm. i think the Hare krishnas were a little less toxic cult than the moonies but they were actually kidnapping people out of these cults and deprogramming them and stuff like that Um, i remember that stuff yes we need some if there was a national organization that offered deprogramming services to people who had been swept up into the the wild conspiracy theories, the Earth is flat stuff. You know, this this uh, woman who published this piece in this op-ed, it's, it's kind of gone viral in, uh, I believe it was an Idaho newspaper, saying that humans and dinosaurs were on the Earth at the same time, and we've, I've got proof. And, I mean, there are people who need help. Joseph in Gilbert, Arizona. Hey, Joseph, thanks for calling, and thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's on your mind today? One way I think maybe she could convince her mom and her family is that some of the first people to get the vaccines were members of Congress, President Trump and President Biden. And usually Hmm. if powerful people like that are taking the vaccine, that usually means it's going to work. Here's the problem, Joseph. The fact that Donald Trump and his wife Melania both took the vaccine while he was still in the White House, I mean, before January 20th, was never, to the best of my knowledge, reported in any of the right-wing media. It's not well well known. Well, maybe she could tell her mother that now. And find a story to that effect and print it out and put it under her nose. Because, I mean, Trump, he thought he was immune because he had the disease, and he still got the vaccine. Sure, I would. And I am next week. But the thing about like watching Fox or watching these channels, any news channels is depending on the channel, there's going to be a bias. 
So you have to take everything with a grain of salt, and you should probably watch more than one point of view. And typically the bias doesn't show up in distorted statements. It shows up in missing data. Yes. That's why uh, one of the reasons why I watch your show. And another reason is because your network, I believe, is the only one that has call-in, where people can actually call in and give their opinion of the, uh, say, major news networks. Yeah, C-SPAN does too, but uh, but that's not, you know, it's kind of a, a strange duck. But yeah, good point. Joseph, thank you. Appreciate the call. Steve in Topanga, California. Hey, Steve, thanks for watching Free Speech TV. What's up? Good morning. Call me a cynic, Tom, but I think that... Um they're purposely trying to put out information that the vaccine's not working because Biden's getting a You're lot of success. You're talking about Fox News? Yeah, and, he, you know, he's getting a lot of success. He's going to cure the pandemic. People are going to see the success, and the Republicans, they can't have that. That's not good. So they want to keep people from doing it so we can't get to herd immunity. That, so let me get this straight. Like, You're suggesting, Steve, that the billionaires who own Fox News and or the management of Fox News actually want more Americans to die because it will hurt Joe Biden politically. Is that is that your suggestion? I'm a cynic, but yes, exactly. And, wow. you know, um, you look at what what Mitch McConnell and Republicans caucused when Obama was first elected that first night. We're going to oppose all his legislation. We're going to make him a failure. Right. And now they're seeing That's this right, happen with Biden, there. and he's having all this success. They can't have that. So what, we kill a million more people? It doesn't matter. Trump's already killed half a million. About, you know, it's, just, it's not an issue to them, is what I'm saying. And yeah. I'm cynical no, about I, it. I totally get it. And I, I totally I get it. Shot. And that dinner, by the way. Yeah, thank you, Steve. And Yeah, me too. Uh, and thanks for the call. I, I will take it the minute it's available. That dinner was held at the Caucus Room restaurant, which has since gone out of business in Washington, D.C., and it was on the evening of January 20th, 2009. If you want to Google it, it's a pretty shocking story. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman, with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity, and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs, and made in local micro-kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple-glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance, so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's, or enter the code Hartman, the two N's, before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best 
to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Kevin in Long Beach. Hey, Kevin, what's on your mind today? Trump's wealth. If everybody remembers when he was in that debate, the first in 2016, he stood on the stage and says, oh, I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm so rich, I'm worth $10 billion. I remember. Now, if anybody tracked this man back before he was ever running for president, everybody knew what kind of wealth he was really had. And number two is the one guy that comes on MSNBC actually went and worked for Bloomberg's campaign. He was sued by Trump. I don't know how many years back. But because he was sued by Trump, he got to see Trump's taxes. Right. And he said from the best he could tell, he was probably worth only about $250 million at that time. Yeah, exactly. Um, and this is, this is what Trump said, the exact quote. So I have a total net worth, and now with the increase, it'll be well over $10 billion. But here, a total net worth of net worth, not assets, not a net worth, after all debt, after all expenses, the greatest assets, Trump Tower. And then he goes through and lists a bunch of his properties, many other places all over the world. So the total is $8,737,540. And as he's saying that, he's waving this piece of paper. Turns out the piece right. of paper had nothing to do with anything, and he just pulled that number out of his backside as he often does. You know, I mean, this is a guy yeah, who lied, what, on average 30 times a day? Right. You know, and going way back when he, he you know, a bunch of those Russians were buying his uh, condos and his buildings. Right. I mean, there yeah, was, there was inflated just like prices. A, yeah, it was just like a train coming there with uh, yeah. people putting and the Saudis money did. down for that. Saudis yeah, bought a whole floor. They, they have offices, I think, even in his Trump Tower that he lives in New York or used to live in New York. They have a yeah. whole floor offices or something like that, I've even been told. Yeah, they've got a whole floor. I don't know if it's residential or office space, and I assume that they still have it, but it's kind of sad. And these, but... golf courses, and these golf courses and resorts, they're not making money. You no, know, they're not now. They're, They'll start making money later this year. And I think the bridge that has gotten him through is the money he's been able to steal from his inaugural fund and from his donors. Yep. I mean, I, it, yeah. it's hundreds of millions of dollars that have gone into his pocket. And, you know, we know that Jared and Donald started a uh, LLC that took almost $600 million out of the $1.3 billion that he raised in the four years that he was president, you know, for his reelection bid. And nobody knows exactly where that money went. Obviously, some of was spent on campaigning and media, but how much of it, where to go, nobody knows. The it's, dollar it's pretty is strange. Every, the dollar is everything to him. That's first. Yeah, I, I really he think was, that's his first and enduring love. Kevin, thank you for the call. Diana in Preston, Idaho. Hey, Diana, what's up? Money, power, and one more thing. Okay. Sex. Oh, do you think that Donald Trump pursues... You know, like his raping E. Jean Carroll. They say that rape is not so much out of a sexual urge as it is out of a domination or power urge. So could we categorize that as a subset of this? Or do you think that actually just a horny guy and and he's no, using his money to... It goes way beyond that, Tom. I'm surprised a lot more people haven't come forward about it. But I worked in the Nevada, after living and working in the Nevada casinos for 39 years, we learned to keep our mouths shut no matter what. And I'm still a little uncomfortable talking about, you know, my experiences there. But my mouth was shut, but my eyes and ears were always open. I worked mainly in gaming, 
And we had a lot of, you know, perverts, sexual perverts come through the hotel. I won't name names, but it's absolutely unbelievable. When I heard, you know, that Trump was going to be running, you know, that year before, I was watching the news a lot and thinking and called friends of mine and stuff that knew stuff, you know. We all said, oh, he'll never make it, he'll never make it. And I said, I don't know, you know, stranger things have happened. But I was watching, I started really watching the news then, which I had never really done before in my life. I'd listened to you. You were about, free speech was about it for me. So I started listening to a few shows, including Rachel. And one time, it was during, you know, when they were running for the nomination, she said, you heard of the D.C. Madam, right? The D.C. Madam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Rachel said that the attorneys of the D.C. Madam had called her and said he had information about, she didn't say Republican, she said he had information about one of the candidates that he felt the American people should know about before they vote. He said it was definitely sexually related. So I called my friends, you know, and said, who do you think it is? Who do you think it is? And I said, well, you know, it's not for me. (laughs) So I said, you know who it is. And they all agreed, yeah, 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 it was Trump. So she said she would have that information in about a week and it's soon. She said she'd have it soon. And in about a week, she came back on the television and said she she was still waiting for it. She'd have that information soon. If anything happened to him, he had told her, if anything happens to me, the information will still go forward. And Rachel. This is the lawyer because the D.C. madam at that point was dead. Yes. Yeah. And her mother and her mother was, too. I mean, we know. Mm. Her, and her mother was, too. Both of them were found dead together. And Rachel said at that time that the information that he had told her, the information, even if I come up missing, the information is still going to go forward. And then we listened and we listened and we watched and we watched and we never heard anything else. This disappeared. He disappeared. In the end, he's not just a sad little boy. He's a monster in disguise. I'm talking back when he first came to Vegas with Ivana, his first wife, when he was married to her. He basically got blackballed from Vegas, and he got back because he put a pile of money on Steve Wynn's desk. It doesn't take much money to buy He got blackballed because of his bad behavior, because of his sexual behavior? or, yeah. or Yeah, I mean, I don't feel comfortable going into the gory details about, sure. about it, but yes. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's terrible. Some person that I was talking to that I met just recently, and... I was saying, you know, he, he's a really bad guy. You guys have no idea how bad this person is. And she, I started telling her, she said, that's absolutely false. I said, I was there. I was there. Hmm. I saw things. Wow. And she said, it's absolutely false because he's trying to protect children that are being sexually trafficked. She said, the Democrats are doing, she came up with all oh, this. this is a QAnon stuff. thing. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. She oh believed in all that stuff. And when, when I heard her say, he's trying to protect children that are being sexually trafficked. The bottom fell out of my my heart. You know, I mean, these people are horrible people. He's a horrible person. Well, that's when the penny drops. Now there are all these, the whole protect the children hashtag now has been hijacked by these these crazed right-wing conspiracy nuts who, you know, like the guy who went into the the pizza shop in Washington, D.C. and shot up the ceiling thinking that there were children hiding in the basement when the building didn't even have a basement. That's how weird it is. Yeah, I heard about Uh, that. And a lot of people 
you know, that I know. I mean, I, I after spending 13, 39 years in those casinos, I got to meet a lot of people. And I'll tell you I'm what. I'm guessing you've seen it all. I hate to say this, Tom, but some of the worst people that came to Vegas were politicians. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me. I mean, you know, money and politics. The more money they had, Tom, the more perverted they were sexually. Hank in South Holland, Illinois. Hey, Hank, what's on your mind today? Back in the 80s, I got laid off and I filed my taxes. And three years later, they said that you didn't file your Reagan unemployment tax. So you owe us a thousand bucks. And I was unemployed again because all jobs are being shipped out in manufacturing. Paycheck to paycheck, people are living. Unemployment was never taxable until Ronnie Reagan come in there, bust the unions up, and say, hey, it's tax the unemployed people. Right. You know, but that was they, one of the 18 times he raised taxes on working people. Yeah, and, but what they got to get rid of is that, that Reagan unemployment tax, for one. But they already stabbed the working man in the back. And all this stuff that's happening today goes to Ronnie Reagan and the billionaires. My wife, her running joke is that she's going to put on my tombstone, it all started with Reagan. <laughs> I think she's right. Hey, thanks for the call. It's great to hear from you. Daryl in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Hey, Daryl, what's up? I think it was in the second round of stimulus money. A big chunk was given to Steve Mnuchin to just sort of do it as he saw fit. And I was curious, was there ever oh, an audit right. or an accounting? Right? What if it was like a, a four or five hundred million dollar slush fund that he had that he was he was passing that out to companies. And initially he refused to tell anybody, including Congress, who he was giving it to. He backed down on that. So we did learn who he gave the money to. But, you know, what the resolution was, I, to the best of my knowledge, there's never been a, a good report on that or good accounting on it. I remember the con, you know, the, the, the issue and the debate around it. At the, it's, it's just Josh, it's, it's amazing. I mean, it just kind of all flooded back on me. It's like there were so many outrages during those four years. It was like every day there was something new that it's hard to keep track of now. <laughs> you know, looking right. back, and we're only two yeah. months out. It was That's just part nuts. Of the plan all along, right? I agree. I agree. It was, it was, uh, there was a phrase about it that you can't uh, use on the radio, but that, yes, their strategy was, you know, throw as much spaghetti against the wall as you possibly can. Obfuscation, confuse and blow up the whole conversation. People who are close to Donald Trump are leaking that Trump figures that if he gets indicted in New York State, which is a virtual certainty, Letitia James, the attorney general, and uh, Cyrus Vance, the district attorney for the city of New York, are going after him, that he's going to depend on Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida, which is where he lives now, to refuse to extradite him to New York to be held for trial. Seriously. Here's the headline. Trump allies counting on DeSantis to refuse extradition to New York if ex-president gets indicted. I think that this is going to get really, really interesting. So just hold that thought, right? It's probably going to be a few weeks, maybe a few months, but it's coming. It is seriously coming. Lowell in Salem, Oregon. Hey, Lowell, what's up? How's Salem? Oh, Salem's nice and sunny today. Representative Jayapal and Rep- Representative Debbie Dingell reintroduced Medicare for All at 12 p.m. Eastern, which is 9 a.m. Pacific. I'm a little disappointed that we didn't see all the big announcements for that from Democratic leadership. Well, the leadership it's isn't fully being behind silently, 
Here's what's going on, Lowell. This is how you build support for something over time, is you introduce it, try to gain support. first time Medicare for All was introduced in a meaningful way was by John Conyers back in the early days of this show. I mean, we started the show in 2003, and I had John Conyers on this show regularly in that first decade of the 2000s, talking about his uh, HR 667, if I'm remembering right. It was something like that. And it was his Medicare for All bill. And the first time he introduced it, I think he had like a half a dozen or a dozen co-sponsors. People like Dennis Kucinich, people who were considered, well, that's the far, you know, that's the fringe of the Democratic Party. Well, uh, Jayapal and Dingle are introducing this thing today with half the Democrats, half the Democrats, basically the entire Progressive Caucus and a few others on board. So that's like a real substantial step forward. It does deserve more news coverage. And I should have mentioned it at the top of the show. We're, we're, we've been trying to get Representative Jayapal back on the program to talk about it. And so that's why I was kind of holding back. But it looks like she's not going to be calling in today. Jayapal raised the issue that it seemed to me that she said that there was no bill. Conyers thing was a resolution and not a, that's, an actual that's bill. At so, least initially, yes. If his would have passed, it would have been meaningless anyway. Because well, it wouldn't have been would meaningless. Have what it would have done is it, Conyers' resolution did was it directed Congress to basically work out the details on how to make this happen and then to do it. It was a starting point. It was a really important starting point. Why go to the time, expense, and effort of writing detailed legislation with point by point and here's how we pay for it and here's where it goes and all this kind of stuff? If you know that it has no chance of, of passing, what Conyers was trying to do was begin the conversation, and he did a very good job of that. And Dennis Kucinich well, played well, a very you, large role in that as well. Well, you do that, so when you do get power, you have the bill already written, so you can pass it as soon as That's you right. have a majority. You don't Which is what they're doing wait now. until after, 10 years after we had a majority, to introduce something. Well, this was the debate when President Obama was elected, and he chose to go with the Obamacare route rather than going with the John Conyers route. There was legislation at that point, Bernie had, had been working on it, that was damn close to being a Medicare for All piece of legislation. Without the support of the president, it's not going anywhere. And that's the main reason why you're not hearing the leadership of the Democratic Party talking about this, is because Joe Biden is not behind it. So that's the work that we've got to do. We've got to get Democratic leadership, Biden and Schumer and Pelosi, behind this piece of legislation. Randy in Arlington, Minnesota. Hey, Randy, what's up? I've tried contacting my local authorities here. What I feel is an untapped resource to be giving the vaccinations are using dental hygienists. When I make the call, All right, they know how to give a shot. Treat us as the tooth polishing lady. In Minnesota, I'm just short of 50 years of experience. In Minnesota, I can give 22 injections in your mouth. Do you think I'm qualified to maybe give one in the arm? Also, when we're giving those injections, are we going over health? Do we always believe what the patients tell us? Of course, we can't. We use what they can, and then we observe. When we're retracting that lip to give you an injection, do you think my left finger is feeling your heartbeat and monitoring? Yes, I am. Truck drivers. I come from a family of truck drivers. Would I be happy to go and work at a truck stop? Put me to work. In Minnesota, I just read for 8% of the hygienists are not going back. We're all too familiar with aerosols and what they can do. So I would really like to spread the message and get somebody putting us to work. We're used to working on the Native American reservations. We're used to working in the different hospitals, and that's a lot less complicated.
Rich in Indianapolis, Indiana. Hey, Rich, what's on your mind today? Vladimir Putin is a killer. He was a Stasi officer in East Germany, part of the former Soviet Union. And he learned how to suppress people, how to manipulate people. He was busy doing something called the Zersetzung, the Zersetzung Project, which was pacification of uppity folks who weren't being good East Germans. When you were in Germany, was that after the wall fell, or were you... No, we lived there from uh, 86 to 87. Part of that time, we lived mostly in Schleswig, but we spent part of that time in Herheim, literally on the east-west German border. I mean, literally. And in the spring, the ground would thaw and the landmines would explode. It was uh, it was a wild, <laughs> wild experience. And that was, I believe that was when Mr. Putin was, President Putin was, it was in Mecklenburg, wasn't it? It was some relatively remote part of East Germany that he was, that he was involved in the, was it the, the Stasi there? Um, okay. As I recall. But I, I mean, I didn't well, know about that at the time. You just read the history. The idea of today's unified Germany and what is now able to be visited and learned of the history of, of the country as it was under the occupation of the former Soviet Union is right over there in East Berlin at what was called the Preventative Prison. They've turned that into the Stasi Museum. Hmm. And uh, I didn't know that. Oh, it's, it, it, oh, there's there's a website that uh, informed me a lot about Stasi and its history. It's called fightgangstalking.com. Have you ever watched the movie The Lives of Others? I, this I is an amazing title. movie. Yeah, this movie came out maybe a decade ago, perhaps a little longer. It was made in Germany. It's all in German, but it's subtitled, and it's really easy to follow the subtitles. And it's about a family in East Germany during the Soviet occupation. How basically what the Stasi had done is they had turned, they had about one-third of all East Germans informing on the other two-thirds of all East Germans. And everybody was terrified, friends, neighbors, relatives, you never knew who was the snitch. And you never knew what, you know, if you said something that you meant it completely innocently, if it would be taken wrong and reported to the Stasi, and therefore you'd be in big trouble. It's an absolutely compelling, spellbinding movie. It's a brilliant character development narrative arc the hero of the movie is just like half out of a kafka novel or a hemingway novel and half out of a really good thriller the production values are brilliant it is one of the most powerful movies i've ever seen now maybe that's because i lived in in germany during that time i don't know where it's available i'm guessing you know netflix hulu amazon prime someplace but it's called the lives of others and it is so worth taking the time to watch the Lives of Others was uh, shown to me as a title on FightGangStalking.com. So Great. that's why I knew Great. it. Okay, there yeah. you go. Rich, thanks a lot for the call. Samuel in Santa Ana, California. Hey, Samuel, what's on your mind today? I don't want to get into the weeds here, but I have a one-sentence comment before I say what I was going to say. I have, and this is between me, you, and Senator Paul, I have a friend who's had COVID three times. So just wanted to tell you Wow. Yes, Seriously. Yes. Seriously. Yeah, see, that's not supposed to be possible, but uh, I'm guessing your your friend had COVID once and it never successfully went away. 
This is like the long haul syndrome. You know, we, we had a guy call into the show two weeks ago and he said he just got his vaccine and his long and he'd had this long haul thing going on for, for seven, eight months and it instantly went away. And now the New York Times is reporting that this is a common thing. Some people's immune system just can't fight off the virus. And so it comes and goes and lingers and whatnot. And the shot gives your immune system enough of a kick in the ass that it finally evicts the virus. So, you know, maybe your friend should get a vaccine. Gandhi in 1930 went and he did the salt march where he made salt and there were too many people to arrest. I'm looking at Georgia as something similar. I would love to see, and I want to hear you comment on this, I would love to see the people in Georgia bring three bottles of water when it's time to vote. One for themselves, one for the person in line in front of them, one for the person in line in back of them. Your thoughts? Bring a bottle of water as a protest. In this day and age, it's a lot harder to message things like that. You know, Gandhi had a local community and everybody knew everybody by and large. And that was, you know, the opposition to the British law that said that you couldn't manufacture salt in India. You had to ship the raw salt up to India and then they would ship back the, the uh, refined salt. Is all to keep British British jobs, but that would be the perfect kind of thing for a church to do, you know, in the souls to the polls context, where you've got everybody on the bus and you can hand out three bottles of water to every person on the bus, and then they all go stand in line. I think it's a great idea, Samuel. You know, hopefully somebody listening can can do something about it. That's a good one, Tom in Marquette, Michigan. Hey, Tom, how's Marquette? How are you? I'm calling specifically to discuss the Line Five and the Line Three oil pipelines coming down from Canada. The Line 5 mm-hmm. goes underneath the Straits of Mackinac. I've been there since before you were born and when I was born. And the plan is, by the oil company, is to put in a tunnel. What has been happening is that Enbridge, is the company, has been going around to city council meetings and scaring people about the sudden shutoff of their natural gas if this Line 5 tunnel doesn't go through. Line 5 right now has been hit three different times by anchor strikes, and the company's response to that is, well, we're watching those ships now (laughs) that come through. I don't know what they're looking for, but they're watching them from the shore, I guess. This tunnel would ensure the use of fossil fuels for the indefinite future for the area. The response locally by the propane companies is that they already are preparing for a shutdown of Line 5, increasing their capacity in the Upper Peninsula to store larger and larger amounts of liquid natural gas. So that's not really a threat that they Yeah, a lot of people in America are not familiar with this, Tom. It was I didn't even know about this until I lived in a rural area in New Hampshire, I think it was, and I grew up in Michigan. Because mm-hmm. in the cities, you know, most people are just hooked up to a gas main. But out in the country, you've got a tank, if you're using gas, you've got a tank in the back of your house, like the old oil tanks, you know, only this is a mm-hmm. tank that can hold pressurized gas, and, and a truck comes around every week and refills that. And that's an alternative to pipelines. It's arguably slightly less efficient, but on the other hand, it's not building out permanent, you know, century-long-lifed natural gas infrastructure. Back to you. Mm-hmm. It's a national and international issue because if there was a failure of Line 5 and they dumped 20 million gallons of oil like they did down in Kalamazoo River, the same company, mm-hmm. Enbridge, that's the largest oil spill in the United States ever, as far as I know, probably not counting the Gulf one, but... Yeah, not, um, not offshore. So it's an, inter, it's an international and a global issue because of the guaranteeing of the investment in oil use 
oil burning for the indefinite futures. I'm an investor. So, so Tom, what's the issue here? Is it that is it that the Michigan legislature has to approve this tunnel, or is it? I mean, is there an effort to stop it? Has it already been approved? What's the yeah, status? The organization called Flow is out of Traverse City, Michigan. is the biggest citizens organization against it. Governor Whitmer has already ordered them to shut down Line 5 by May 5th. They say they don't have to do that. And the premier of Canada, Mr. Trudeau, who we normally love, has said it's not negotiable. That's a quote from him. It's not negotiable. Line 5 is not negotiable. That's a lot of money for Canada. And it goes down through Michigan into Sarnia, Ontario, where almost all of it goes to Ontario and Quebec. Oh, interesting. I didn't realize that. I thought it was feeding Michigan. <laughs> so so this is Canadian Very oil little. passing through American land and through the Straits of Mackinac, which means that it would instantly right. pollute Lake Superior, Lake Huron, and Lake Michigan. Well, not, not and, Lake Superior, but Huron and Michigan and, and downstream, yes. Why would it not hit Superior? Well, because the flow from Superior would keep the water. Oh, that's right. The water's moving in that direction. Yeah. Right. Okay. Got it. Well, it's it's Um, an international issue because of global warming, and and we can't keep investing in doing things the same way and expect a different outcome. Check out Flow, right? F L O W is that the what? That's the organization in in Traverse City. That's right. And Jim Olson is the director of Flow. He's an environmental lawyer and a friend of mine. Great. Tell them to feel free to reach out to Sean and me about, you know, getting on the program and talking about this stuff. Tom, thank you very much for the call. It's great to hear from you. Cliff in Santa Clarita, California. Hey, Cliff, what's on your mind? Radiation in our fish. I haven't really done a lot of research on this, but I wanted to raise the issue. The best of my knowledge, fossil fuels are a finite resource. Eventually, they're going to dry up. There will be no more oil, although fracking seems to be prolonging this process but so that's why liberals and progressives have been calling for the transition to renewable energy for years right be prepared when the time comes tom when's the last time you heard peak oil brought up on the news because it's been many many years since i've heard it mentioned and i'm I'm really curious the status of the world's uh, reserves and are we close to knowing what's really left and if the word got out that the world is running low on oil, wouldn't that help expand renewables and make it more acceptable to go full throttle towards this approach? Bottom line is that peak oil is no longer an issue. It, I mean, it's a, it's an, on a country-by-country country basis. Like Saudi Arabia has gone through well over half of their oil, and they're, you know, they're going down. Iraq is going up, things like that. So you know, it's, a, okay. it's a, a local issue. When I published The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight in 1996, part of the book, there were two chapters in the book devoted to peak oil. I had to rewrite those two chapters when we republished, you know, when the second edition came out in 2003 and the third edition came out in 2016, I think it was, 2018. In each case, I had to update that because we're finding more and more fossil fuels and we're figuring out easier and easier ways to get them. The problem is no longer peak oil. The problem is peak carbon in the atmosphere. Long before we hit peak oil, we will have destroyed this planet's ability to sustain the life of anything larger than a, than a cat. We've got a problem here with peak carbon. That's why you're not hearing about peak oil. Cliff, thanks for the call. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. 
With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Diamond in Hollywood, California. Hey, Diamond, thanks for listening to KPFK. What's up? How are you today? I'm happy you're getting your vaccine. Yeah, me too. I live in West Hollywood. I am in that gray area. I am not 65, but I'm not low risk. And I have been just trying to get a mobile unit to come here. There is a misnomer. All low-income people live in low-income areas. (laughs) I am a performer. I moved to West Hollywood with the decision that I knew I couldn't afford both a car (laughs) and have a safe environment. I am a survivor. So that was my decision. I have been trying to get mobile units to come here and just getting the runaround. I am wondering when there's going to be mobile units coming to our area. I've talked to our city councilman, and he's been trying with the public health. I guess there's the general opinion that if you live in a certain area code, you're not struggling. And uh, (laughs) I know in this area, a friend of mine who used to work for a record company, she's now disabled. And another friend of mine who lives in another part of the city, and his mom can't stand. He's taking care of her. She can't get into a car. You know, I've just been trying to find that out. You know, I don't know the answer to the question, Diamond. I, mobile unit, we don't have anything like that here in Oregon, to the best of my knowledge. So the fact that there are or might be mobile units in Los Angeles, I think, is a big deal. I suspect what you're seeing right now is the consequence of how hard it is to get these vaccines, how, to, how hard it is to get your hands on them. And that's going to change over the course of the next 40 or 50 or 60 days. And I think by, at the very latest, by early May, you're going to find it's going to be fairly easy to get a vaccine. So the the metaphor I keep in my head is just because I remember the Vietnam War so well, although I was not a soldier, I was not part of that. But the metaphor that I keep in my head is who wants to be the last person to die in Vietnam, right? Who wants to be the last person to die in an absolutely unnecessary pandemic, a pandemic China got under control, Taiwan got under control, South Korea got under control, New Zealand got under control, Australia got under control. But we no, 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 we had Donald Trump. So so if you've got to hunker down for another month or two until that time comes, do it, please, Diamond. Am I making sense? Yes, I am very blessed. I have family members who've been helping me. Everything is 
frustrating because, you know, what about the homeless people? <laughs> you know? I agree. Oh, I did want to mention Pete Townsend, since you're in the 60s, and I was singing the tribute mm-hmm. band. He had a great book decades ago having to do with this, his Lifehouse book. Carol in Valencia, California, also listening on Sirius XM. Hey, Carol, what's up? Yes, have you read White Trash? Yes. I think what we have to understand is when you are comparing, when you are analyzing the Trump followers, they are the reincarnation of Andrew Jackson's followers. They were the squatters, the indentured servants. That's the popular meme, but more than 56% of the people who voted for Donald Trump made more than $50,000 a year. But it doesn't matter. It's their mentality. It's their... their, I get it. Yeah, it's that victim. Yeah, I I completely get it. Yeah, and that book, White Trash, lays that out very well. I'm sorry, I can't remember the author's name. Was it Anderson? Yes. Diana in Preston, Idaho. Hey, Diana, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. Hey, the other day I watched The Aware Show, and she had a nutritionist, and he said... Fish are the dirtiest food on earth right now because everything goes downhill and we are constantly washing the earth down. I was just yeah. wondering what you thought about that. It makes sense to me. I mean, I, you know, our guest said basically the radiation levels in fish are below federal standards, therefore everything is safe. I am not of the opinion that federal standards mean that it's safe. It may mean that it's acceptable, at least to the federal government, but there is no such thing as a safe level of radiation. One single particle of radioactive material, if it gets in your body, can cause cancer. Doesn't always, in fact, it doesn't even usually, but it can. And I would prefer not to have any radiation in my food. And and it's and you're absolutely right. You know, pesticides, herbicides, drugs. Our rivers are filled now with things like the floxidine. You know, uh, what, what's it called? Uh, that's the generic name, the the brand name for the antidepressant. You know, the, the Prozac, and blood pressure medications, and all this stuff. I mean, you know, it, it goes through. A lot of it goes through us unmetabolized and ends up in the toilet and flushed into water treatment plants that don't break down the chemicals and then that gets dumped into our rivers and then the rivers of course go into our oceans and as a result we're seeing you know amphibians and fish that are going through gender changes now that's more tied into the the chemicals that that we use in paper products that are waterproof whether it's the cup you're getting your coffee from at the coffee shop or whether it's the tray that your microwave dinner is in those things are lined with chemicals that actually mimic estrogen and they're causing gender changes in other animals and God only knows what they're doing to humans we, we know that they can also cause cancer so I'm with you Diana and I think it is a legitimate concern you've been listening to Tom Hartman for audio and video archives visit TomHartman.com look around you can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.